Welcome to the Cornerstone Baptist Church podcast. My name is Justin Wheeler. I am the preaching pastor for Cornerstone Baptist Church in Wiley, Texas. And today we are in week 25 of our journey through the Heidelberg Catechism. Today I'm going to be talking to you about questions 65, 66, 67, and 68. We're looking today at a section um, that the title is, the, the focus is, the topic is the Holy Sacraments or Ordinances. And we're going to be looking at these for the next several weeks. Um, we're going to be studying these, trying to get a better understanding of what they are and the role that they play in our lives as believers in Christ. And today, we'll not really be looking at the, sacra- the sacraments specifically, but uh, we'll look at the general function and purpose that they have in our lives to encourage, sustain, confirm our faith in Christ. Uh, but before we get to the questions, let's take a minute to walk through a little bit of the church history Um, so that we can appreciate the roles that these things have played within the church. Now, the word sacrament, it it may be a little bit foreign to some of you, and it may be very comfortable and very common to the rest of you. Uh, The word sacrament historically has been used to designate something that is, well, that's sacred. Uh, It comes from an old Latin term, sacramentum, and that, that term roughly translates through the New Testament in the word mystery. Uh, so if you put these things together, a sacrament is something that is mysterious in that it conveys a, a deeper truth than is readily seen, and it is something that is sacred. It's something that is set apart um, for a particular religious group of people. Now, in some ways, sacrament is a term that is used to describe all types of religious rites and ceremonies because uh, that mysterious nature, we're, we're doing something that is outward and visible, but it is intended to help us understand and grasp a deeper spiritual meaning. And so, in a sense, um, throughout the history of the church, the word sacrament has been used to describe all of the ceremonies and, and religious rites that take place. Um, but why? Why are religious rites and ceremonies thought to be mysterious and sacred? Well, like I said, the ceremonies themselves, you may have heard it referred to in this way, they serve as outward visible symbols or signs that convey something of the mysterious nature of an inward spiritual reality. And so over time, uh, the term sacrament became narrowed in its focus, and it was referring to only a specific set of Christian practices that were specifically ordained by Christ and are said to offer us some spiritual, or you could read here, mysterious benefit to the participant. Now, don't get weirded out by the word mysterious there. Uh, What we mean in in the sense of we're we're doing something visible and outward that is conveying an inward spiritual reality. That's what we mean by mystery. Now, some of you uh, have a Roman Catholic Church background, or at least you've studied the Roman Catholic Church, and and you know that over time, the Roman Catholic Church determined that there were seven sacraments, and they included baptism, confirmation, holy communion, penance, matrimony, holy orders, and extreme unction. Protestants, well, we protested against that, and we have historically argued that there are only two sacraments or ordinances, baptism and the Lord's Supper. Many Protestants, including Baptists, have even changed the title from sacrament to ordinance in the hopes of removing some of the mystery from them and to focus on the fact that in these things, in these things that that, uh, that we are doing, uh, they are important because 
not just because we attach importance to them, but because Jesus ordained. He commanded them to be done by his people for a specific purpose. So whether you call them sacraments or ordinances, it is important to understand that, well, we, as a church, we disagree with the Roman Catholic Church. As Protestants, we believe that there are only two ordinances that were directly instituted by Jesus, number one. They are significant religious acts. Uh, They're not commonplace. Um, They are designed, number three, to be done until Christ returns. The word that is typically used here is in perpetuity. Um, And then number four, they are symbols meant to instruct and encourage believers. So I didn't say anything in there about them having any saving merit to them. No, they're instituted by Jesus. They are significant religious acts. They're designed to be done until Jesus comes, and they are symbols meant to instruct and encourage. And so that's a little bit of a background uh, on what we call holy sacraments. So let's move on from that to the questions, and we'll get a little more specific about their function and their purpose. Uh, Question 65, it is by faith alone that we share in Christ and all his blessings. Where then does that faith come from? And here's the answer. The Holy Spirit produces it in our hearts by the preaching of the gospel and confirms it through our use of the holy sacraments. Now, um, this question is really trying to aim at something here. It's really important, and it's trying to argue against a Roman Catholic view of these sacraments as being meritorious. Um, the, the, the question starts by saying, it's by faith alone, right? We've been studying that for weeks. It's by faith alone that we share in Christ and all His blessings. But where does that faith come from? Well, the Holy Spirit produces it in our hearts by the preaching of the Holy Gospel and confirms it through the use of the sacraments. So the sacraments have a purpose. They have a place. But that place is not to cause our faith. That place is not to cause our salvation. It is to confirm or affirm the work that God has already done through uh, His Spirit in our heart. So it's fitting that we think of the sacraments in their connection to the gospel, because the whole point of the sacrament is to serve as a visible sign of an invisible grace that we have received by faith. And the Protestant reformers, they wrote about the doctrine of justification by faith alone more than any other point of doctrine. But coming in at a close second were the sacraments. They understood this connection between our salvation and these sacraments. But what is that relationship? What is that connection? Well, here in question 65, the the connection is made in this way. The Holy Spirit produces faith. I'm just kind of reading back through this. The Holy Spirit is the one who produces faith in our hearts. And faith is what saves us. We are saved by grace alone through faith alone. This comes through the preaching of the gospel. But the Holy Spirit also confirms that faith through the use of holy sacraments. In other words, we owe our salvation to the work of God and the gospel. But the Holy Spirit uses the sacraments to remind us of that fact. He uses them to confirm and corroborate that our faith is well-placed. So when we are... Uh, participating in the sacraments, we're not being saved all over again, but we are being reminded of the focus of our salvation. We're being reminded of what we are saved by, what we're saved from, and what we are saved to. So the sacraments don't save, but they are vital in that they help us grow in our faith, and they even help us in understanding how our faith needs to grow by being nourished, well, by the gospel of grace. So that's question 65, and you can see the point there. 
Let's, let's see these sacraments in their appropriate biblical place. But what about question 66? Well, what are the sacraments? That's the question. What are sacraments? Well, sacraments are holy signs and seals for us to see. They were instituted by God so that by our use of them, he might make us understand more clearly the promise of the gospel and might put his seal on that promise. And this is God's gospel promise to forgive our sins and give us eternal life by grace alone because of Christ's one sacrifice finished on the cross. So that's that's the answer. Let's let's piece that together. Let's start with question 66 by looking at what it means when the sacraments are said to be signs and seals. Well, they are signs in that they are outward visible symbols, right? We've been talking about that so far. They're, they're things that we do physically. They're things that we can take up in our hands, um, and they help us understand an invisible spiritual truth, right? So when we, when we are baptized, we're not actually baptized into Christ, but we are symbolically being um, identified with Christ. We're being united with Christ in a way. When we take up the bread and the wine of communion, we're not actually eating the flesh and blood and drinking the blood of Jesus, but we are remembering the flesh and blood of Jesus. And we're doing it through a tangible sign, a tangible symbol um, of an invisible reality. Now, the sacraments are not only signs, you might also hear them referred to as symbols, covenant symbols. And they remind us of the spiritual truths that bind our souls to God. And really, they also seal God's promises into our hearts. That's why they're signs and seals. Um, and then what is God's promise? Well, the, the, sacri- I mean, the, the Heidelberg answers that question. The, sac- the promises of God are that our sins are forgiven and that we have eternal life by grace alone. And so these sacraments, they nourish our faith in the gospel. And, and I believe, uh, I've preached on this, I've taught on this, they do so in a very amazing way. They nourish our faith, not in the fact that they give some like spiritual bank, you know, benefit to our bank account, but what they do is they serve to help us to see more clearly the things that God has taught us in the gospel. And so I believe that the sacraments are amazing gifts to the church in that Jesus has given us two ordinances which provide a feast for our physical senses. And that's important because as Christians, we are people who live by faith. We live by faith or trust in a Savior that we cannot see with our eyes. We cannot feel Him with our hands. We cannot hear His voice with our ears. Like Abraham, we are called to live by faith, and this is difficult at times. Sometimes we would just, it'd be a whole lot easier if we just had him with us. It'd be a whole lot easier if rather than trusting in the providence of God, we just had a list of things that we should do in order to earn salvation. Uh, but no, like Moses, we're, we're called to live by faith. And, and maybe like Moses, we, we get to those points where we want to cry out to God, show us your glory. Because we want to see God with our own eyes, but we are called to live by faith. Like David, we often may cry out for God to speak to us because we want to hear his voice with our own ears. Prior to faith, many of us were like Thomas, you know, the disciple of Jesus, who said, Unless I see in his hands the marks of the nails and place my fingers into the marks of the nails and place my hands into his side, I'll never believe. Right? Because believing, trusting by faith is is challenging at times. It is hard, but that's what we're called to do. We're called to walk by faith and not by sight. And the Bible tells us uh, that this is true. 
But even as born-again believers, we often ask the Lord to strengthen our faith because believing while not seeing is hard. And, and that's why I think these two ordinances are such an amazing gift because Jesus has given us two things that he has commanded us to do. They are important to strengthen and renew our faith, and they are gloriously physical things. Um, he didn't just tell us to think on these things. He told us to take up a piece of bread and eat and remember him. He didn't just tell us to think about his blood and what it means. He gave us an ordinance where we take up a glass of wine and we drink the wine and we, we taste the bitterness and the sweetness and we remember the blood that saves. He didn't just tell us to think about his death and our connection to it. He commands his disciples to be baptized into his death and we feel the water of baptism close over us and, and we, we are plunged deep down into it and then we're drawn up out of it. In a sense, we are we are reliving the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ. And these things are gloriously physical, and that's a gift to us for, for those of us who live by faith. Matthew Henry once said, We live in a world of sense, not yet in a world of spirits. And because we therefore find it hard to look above the things that are seen, we are directed by Christ in a sacrament to look through them to those things not seen, which the sacraments represent. Now, I love that quote because it conveys this idea that I'm trying to get across, is that in the sacraments, we, we look through these physical reminders to see the spiritual realities that are present there. And so these things are amazing gifts to us, signs and symbols reminding us of the promises of God and how those promises are ours through faith. Okay, let's turn to the next question. Question 67. Uh, it deals with what the sacraments represent. Are both the Word and the sacraments then intended to focus our faith on the sacrifice of Jesus Christ on the cross as the only ground of our salvation? Absolutely right. In the gospel, the Holy Spirit teaches us, and through the holy sacraments, He assures us that our entire salvation rests on Christ, one sacrifice for us on the cross. Okay, so what's this getting at? Well, think about the fact that the Lord's Supper is something simple. It's a small piece of unleavened bread and a small bit of wine, generally. That's how we do it. Both elements point to the fact of Jesus' body and blood. They don't point to anything that we contribute to the table other than our sin that makes His sacrifice necessary. And these elements are given to us as a gift to be received, and in receiving them, we are reminded well, we're reminded of what Paul reminded us about in 1 Corinthians 11, that uh, on the night when he was betrayed, the Lord Jesus took bread, he had, gave thanks for it, he broke it, he gave it to his disciples, and he said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, he took the cup after supper, and he said, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim I'm sorry, proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. And so Paul is reminding us, and we need to be reminded that when we eat the bread and we drink the cup, we are remembering Jesus. We're remembering his sacrifice for us. We're remembering his sacrifice that saves us from our sins. The Lord's Supper specifically is a meal taken throughout our life of faith. And each time we eat it, we remember the Lord. We remember his body, his blood broken and shed for the forgiveness of our sins. And, and, and in this, we're not putting any of our hope or confidence in ourselves. We're putting all of our focus, all of our confidence, all of our hope in Him. 
And so in that way, the sacraments are teaching us that our entire salvation doesn't rest on us, it rests on Christ and his sacrifice on the cross. Jesus doesn't simply want us to remember this as an exercise in our mind. He's given us bread to eat and wine to drink. And these things help focus our memory and help focus our trust in Christ alone. He's given us bread, which we can see. He's given us bread, which we can touch and taste and smell. He's given us wine. All of these things are meant to focus our intention, I mean, focus our, um, our, our minds on the work of Christ only. Final question. 68. How many sacraments did Christ institute in the New Testament? Well, I've already hinted at this, but we're going to do it anyway. The answer is this, two. He has instituted two, baptism and the Lord's Supper. Now, over the, the next couple of weeks, we're going to look at baptism and the Lord's Supper. Uh, we're going to look at more closely at these things. We're going to find that there is much for us to think about, much for us to consider. And to be quite honest with you, we're going to find so that there are some things that we disagree with the Heidelberg on. Uh, and that's not going to be necessarily a hairy situation, but we need to learn this. We need to understand why we believe what we believe, especially when we disagree with a document that we have found so much agreement with to this point. But for now, it's important for us to remember that our Lord has given us, not in order to confuse us, but in order to help us, He has given us these two sacraments to strengthen and confirm our faith in His work for us. They aid us in preaching the gospel to us. They aid us in reminding us of the work and sacrifice of Christ. And when we participate in them, there is this, well, I'll just say it, there's this mysterious way in which we are able to see through them and into the spiritual realities that God has affirmed, confirmed, and sealed for us. So I'm excited about what the next couple of weeks holds. It's going to be great. But I appreciate you joining me today to discuss uh, this Heidelberg Catechism and Lord's Day 25. I hope you'll join me again next week as we look at Lord's Day 26, questions 69 through 71. Now, if you want to learn more about Cornerstone Baptist Church, you can find us online at cornerstonewiley.org. You can follow us on Twitter or Instagram at CBC Wiley. You can find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash cornerstone Wiley. And you can subscribe to this podcast and the sermon podcast on iTunes or Google Play to stay up to date on all the new content. Thank you so much for listening.